Welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. The weekly theme will be simple as well as rich and something you can apply to your real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the hard or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. Last week, one of my best friends died suddenly of a heart attack while he was riding his bike. Three days prior to his death, he sat on my couch for four hours telling stories about his travels while I elevated my ankle in pain from recent surgery. And he was, as usual, full of life and and seemed to be in perfect health. I'm shattered that he's gone and that I can't talk to him about how I feel about him being gone. But mostly, I'm shattered that the world and the hundreds of people who loved him and who he loved don't get to experience him in that vivid form. The way that he bounded into the room, all life, all ears, all heart, all love. I expect, though, that we've gained a very powerful British spirit guide. (laughs) I have listeners from all over the world because of how widely Andrew Clark shared this podcast. So I know there are a bunch of you listening whose hearts are broken today. He was loved by so many. I decided to turn my sorrow into medicine for all of us. There's something here, whether you knew him personally or not. Over the last week, I've collected so many things that I've learned from Andrew about about life, about living, and I've compiled them here. So many qualities he possessed that we could all use a dose of. These are lessons of gold. Lessons directly from someone who lived more fully than anybody I've ever met. And Andrew didn't think of himself as a teacher. His teaching was embodied. He never pointed it out. He just lived it. And if you were lucky enough to to be nearby, then you got to brush up against greatness. Number one, be content. I don't think I've ever seen anyone harness contentment in real time the way that Andrew did. He lived kind of a fancy life. He traveled all over the world and he stayed in fancy places. But he was just as peaceful and happy sitting on my couch, telling stories and laughing with my kids. He was so gifted at dropping directly into each moment with full attention, as if he would rather be nowhere else. It's so rare to be around somebody who does this 100% of the time. It's mesmerizing, actually. To be content amidst everything that's going on, because you know there's always a lot going on. We're always in the middle of some level of crisis or something that is hard, even just the regular 
maintenance of life can be hard, even without a trauma or a hard event. Sometimes just finding the time and the energy to do the daily stuff to keep yourself and everybody else healthy is hard. So that deep contentment, peace in the moment, must come from somewhere else that is transcendent of our circumstances. Because this stuff keeps coming, it keeps coming and coming. And when Andrew did this in my presence, he always did this. I found myself doing it too, even if my plate felt full and my life felt stressful. It was contagious, his contentment. Number two, listen. Listening, really tuned in listening, takes effort and it takes great care. It takes curiosity and breath and it takes time. Andrew knew how to listen. He taught me how to listen just by the way that he did it. He listened very carefully to every word. And he really held what people cared about and what they chose to talk about. He asked good questions. He leaned in. He didn't make it about him or his story. He never tried to top it or push it to the side or to overshadow what you were saying. He gracefully held space when it was your turn, and he knew the art of that, the art and the dance of collaborative conversation, the flow of back and forth. He knew when and how to tell a great story, and he deeply appreciated when you told one of yours. This, again, is a rare bird, a powerful lesson in life-giving, life-affirming friendship. I will never be the same because of how he listened to me. Number three, move. Biking, yoga, swimming, dancing, paddleboarding, Andrew did it all. He was a living testament to movement as medicine. I think it's partially how he maintained such a consistent level of happiness. He moved through the world bright and active. He was even on a bike when he died. He kept the air flowing through him. One day he came up to visit my family. I taught yoga in the morning. And we all took the kids to get a treat at the coffee shop in our neighborhood. And Andrew had his paddle boards on top of his car. And he convinced my husband, Matt, to leave his post and to just jump in the car with him and go paddleboarding for the afternoon, to move and to generate something good and something different. It's so medicinal for all of us to move spontaneously, to let movement be pleasure and not just about something that you need to check off. Andrew got other people moving. He motivated you to want to do something adventurous. You know, exercise can be daunting, but movement is buoyant. And Andrew was buoyant. Like I said before, he bounded into the room. So however you can, while you're talking, brewing tea, waiting for the plane, waiting for the elevator, stay moving. Move your body daily. Move your lymph, move your bones. All of us 
should do this so that we shed this heavy, stagnant stuff. I've even thought of this the last few days as the grief from his death is starting to settle in my low back. But I can get up and move, and that's an Andrew gift to me this week. Number four, champion. Oh, what a world we would live in if everyone had a champion like Andrew. When someone impressed or enchanted Andrew with a talent, he would sing that gospel to everybody he knew. And once he hooked into what he loved about you, he was loyal for life and he would holler it from the rooftops. My friend Toby Crisp met Andrew at our Nourish Retreat, our yoga retreat years ago, and Andrew decided to go and get some body work done from Toby. Well, Toby happens to be one of the most intuitive, gifted body workers alive. (laughs) So Andrew started to see him regularly. And he told everybody about how Toby helped support his body in profound and transformative ways. Toby told me that after meeting Andrew, his whole life was different, that it had changed everything for him. And I know Toby was one of the many humans Andrew championed this way. He went out of his way to hold people above the crowd when he loved their work and when he saw something special in them. Andrew championed this podcast in a similar way. He listened to every episode. He texted to cheer me on and told everybody he knew about it. He brought so many people to me. And it was simply because he wanted to champion me for being myself. He loved it. He loved and understood and really saw when people had hit their stride and were in their element. And no one was better at that than Andrew. This kind of work, this kind of uplifting each other, being champions for each other isn't happening enough. So maybe one of the biggest lessons I want to keep pouring back into my life from this deep loss is that to look for people doing good and quality work, being themselves, and shout their praises from the rooftops to build connections and bridges. What a better place the world would be if we all became champions like this. Spread the gospel. Let's help each other. Number five, time. When you were with Andrew talking, he would put his phone away. He would look at you. He acted as if there was always plenty of time and plenty of space to cover it all. He was never in a hurry. I never want to be in a hurry. I want to look at you like that. I never want my phone face up on the table when we talk from now on. Number six, show up. I have known Andrew for almost 20 years, and there have been a lot of milestones. He held both of my babies when they were less than a day old. He was there when I met my husband, and he mirrored the excitement in my voice when I pointed Matt out to him. Andrew prioritized people. He didn't miss it. He never missed it. I sent a note out to close friends and family right before Otis's, my first child, right before his first birthday. 
Instead of presents, I asked them to compose a sealed letter from them for me to save for Otis when he turned 18. Most people I asked never did it. Andrew did. He brought me his letter in person the next day. He showed up in such a profound and tangible way, and it really meant something. I always noticed how he showed up for the people he loved. I was talking to Andrew's dear friend, Carrie Knievel, and she told me a really beautiful story that I hadn't heard about how in 2020 she had to work at the hospital on Christmas and she was having to spend the holidays alone. And upon learning this, Andrew jumped in the car and he drove to Phoenix to spend the holidays with Carrie because he didn't want her to have to do that alone. He was always ready to show up for a friend and he was always up for a fun adventure while he did it. And he lived this way for so many people. He helped make me more aware of how I can show up for other folks just by embodying that. He was never not there. He was such a light that is still burning. And this will hopefully transfer into all of our actions and friendships forward. That's my hope. Number seven, indulgence. Some things I learned from Andrew's life that is just part of doing life well. A little chocolate every day, a little fun, a little not taking yourself too seriously, (laughs) which is hard for me. It seemed so easy for him. When in Rome, tip your glass. Celebrate the traditions of the home you are a guest in. Enjoy what the people in the room are bringing forward. Travel a lot. See a lot of kinds of people. Listen to their stories and sit at their kitchen tables. Stop for tea. Indulge some and take your time. Don't be a purist. Don't miss it. Thank you, Andrew. I won't. I promise I won't miss it. Number eight, don't dwell. I knew Andrew across a span of many years, so I saw him break hearts, and I saw him have his own broken a time or two. But I noticed he always allowed himself to cry and to feel it completely, but he sort of had kind of a fast metabolism when it came to grief and heartbreak. He just didn't dwell there. He shifted quickly to talking about how beautiful the sky was or what his next travel adventure was going to be. He was resilient. And I think it had to do with a special ingredient. I think he was able to hold his center through storms in life because he was always himself. He just knew who he was, and he would give his all to something or someone. And if things fell apart, he knew he had just been himself. He was never not Andrew. Ah, what a salve this is. To spend your whole life being yourself. And not only that, but encouraging others to do the same, even if things fall apart because of it. That's it. That will help. That is what holds us together, this flux of grace. Other people acting like jackasses never really bothered Andrew. (laughs) Or never bothered him for long. 
because he just didn't spend his time on it. He was very particular about his currency of energy. And when he felt like things were out of balance, he was quick to shift the scales. And he never left his own center. If I had to guess, and I could talk to him about this loss, about the loss of him, he would say something like this. He would say to make space to cry and to wail. But then he would point up and say something like, but look at how pretty this day is. Let's take a walk. Let's go get a coffee. He would tell all of us to keep writing, keep painting, keep photographing, keep making art, keep having great conversations, invest wisely, (laughs) keep moving, keep listening, keep telling stories that matter. Don't dwell on this loss. Use my memory to fuel your heart to live more fully. Show up for those you love tangibly. Celebrate each other's gifts. Name them. Have dinner and talk about these gifts. Mix the modern style with the family antiques. More is more, he would say. Evidence of his ancestors and his queen everywhere. Be all the things at once. Have fun. Go to France in the middle of the week. Take the hard stuff and mulch it into the good stuff. Turn on the lights. Answer your phone when a friend calls. And right in the middle of all the stuff, find the contentment, the deep breaths. Don't miss it. You never know when it's going to be your last day. My special love to Isabella and Sophie, Andrew's daughters. They were the lights of his life. They were the center of his world. And to all the people who loved him, one of the most wondrous things about this kind of tragic sudden loss is how instantly it shaves off everything that's extraneous and it leaves us sitting with what's the most important. Sorrow prepares us for joy. Fly high, my friend. May we all live as fully and as well as you did. I want to leave you with this poem I received from a dear friend. This is written by Laura Weaver. It's called Across the Threshold. What if death were not a failure, but the bright blossom of our green age? Not annihilation, but miracle. What if, in our dying, we became the imaginal cells of a metamorphic universe that is always turning into a butterfly? What if death is not a cutting, but a rooting, not a cessation, but an engagement to a lover who will lead you to the river of forgetting so you can take your next breath of remembering? What if death is not a nightmare, but a gallop on a silver horse through the doorways of twilight? What if we simply become rhizomes in the great fields of calla lilies, gramophones of the universe playing all the soul songs human beings ever sang as we walked along the shorelines of thousands of lifetimes? What if death is not a reaper, but a sower, 
not a demon, but a companion? What if we had plenty of time? Because this essence of us never followed a clock. What if we are going over the rushing falls to the cool pools beneath, where carp swim, with our great-great-grandchildren who are just preparing to dive into a body? Thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope that you have a beautiful day. My patron of honor this week is Andrew Clark. Andrew Clark.